Hello, and thank you for tuning in. This is episode 5 of the Bizarro Cast. This week we're featuring Barro and his All-American Drugs by Chris Kelso. We have a pretty cool story today. Oh yeah, happy Memorial Day, folks, for our U.S. listeners and people who are actually listening in today, the day it's going out, uh, Monday, May the 28th. If you're listening on a different day, then uh, happy whatever day it happens to be. Or if you're one of our international listeners, happy regular Monday, I guess. Maybe you guys didn't get it off. I did. Sucks for you. This week, we have a very special special. Another episode of Bizarro News. Wait, 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 this week in Bizarro News, we have a story out of Thailand, which is actually a pretty cool country. Um, this is from the Global Post. A British citizen has been arrested in Thailand's capital city of Bangkok for possessing six roasted human fetuses for use in black magic rituals. Chow Huk Quen, 28, of Taiwanese origin, was arrested with the gold leaf-covered fetuses in the city's Chinatown on Thursday. Police told the Agency France Presse. That's how it's it's typed, so that's how I'm pronouncing it. The fetus had been packed into luggage, the BBC reports. Their origin is un- their <clears throat> their origin is unclear, though police said the suspect bought them for six thousand five hundred dollars a piece. Or maybe total, it doesn't say. Several days ago, from a Taiwanese man in Thailand, and planned to smuggle them into Taiwan to sell them there for up to six times that amount. So I did a little research into what exactly uh, these things are used for, and apparently they're called toils. And uh, what they do is they take these uh, these fetuses and they try to uh, command power over the child's spirit, and they use it for. Usually bad stuff, stealing shit, um, like killing people sometimes if they're powerful enough witch doctors, uh, you know, bad stuff in general. And sometimes these things can be passed down through families for years and years and years, so weird stuff out there. This week's story, like I said, is Barho and his All-American Drugs, and is brought to us by author Chris Kelso. Um, a little bit about Chris Kelso. He is Scottish. Bum, bum, bum. Christopher Gordon Kelso is an author, editor, and occasional literary agent. He has worked for Eraserhead Press as well as Doghorn Publishing. Doghorn will be releasing both his debut short story collection, Schadenfreude, which this story comes from, and his novella, The Best Years of Your Life, in 2012-13 or so. Of best years of your life, Chris says, the teachers at Beaumont High are sick of the lazy, violent students who make their lives a living hell. Together, they decide to summon an ancient dimension-crossing demon named Chagall to teach them a lesson they'll never forget. But, things don't quite go as planned. And when do they ever, Chris? Alright, well, thanks for tuning in, and get ready for this week's story. Barho and his All-American Drugs, by Chris Kelso. 1. Barho's drugs tasted like shit. This didn't make them any less addictive. People got soul-hungry for Barho's gear. Ten times worse than your typical starving junkie gets. They come in their droves to see him. 
People travel for miles around a Barjo's desert hut searching for his transcendental fix. His drugs gave the user a unique high. Some say it got you as close as safely possible to the orgasm of being hanged when your neck snaps and that final measure of ejaculate starts running down your pant leg. Barjo attracted big customers who were dying to know his secret formula. Barjo heard a knock on his wooden door, the frantic, desperate clawing common amongst hungry customers. Wait a sec. Barjo unhooked the door and stuck out his head. He looked down at a sorry-looking sap with a patchy white beard wearing a red snowsuit. He was covered in desert sand that rested on his shoulders like dunes of dandruff. Barjo threw his arms out merrily. Come in, come in. Merry Christmas, motherfucker. I'll scare up some tea. Barjo welcomed his guest, giving a warm, firm handshake. He was pleased to see him, for Barjo knew the sap well. He was none other than old Saint Nick himself. Fucking weather. You need to start coming to me, Barjo, the old man said gruffly, removing his hat. He immediately began rolling up his sleeves to reveal deep welt marks and collapsed veins gone gangrenous. You sure you're good to go, Nick? Santa Claus stared at Barjo as if to say, Come on, motherfucker, I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this shit long before you were born, so get needling. Barjo pulled out a long hypodermic and tweaked the tip. It was already full of a murky substance, the contents of which remain mysterious. He found a vein cable traveling up the course of Santa's forearm and stuck in the tip. Santa gave a relaxed sigh as Barjo dropped the plunger. Both eyes rolled into the back of his skull as the liquid left the gouge and entered into his bloodstream. Santa rarely came anymore. His nerves were almost dead to the orgasm-inducing properties of Barjo's drugs. It's almost Christmas. I need a hit just to fucking cope. I hear ya. Barjo removed the needle and began dabbing at the area of blood. Santa looked grateful. I can get you perks, Barjo. You've always been good to me. You got any kids who need anything? A Buzz Lightyear or a Malibu Barbie doll or something? Nah, you sort of lose track of the seasons out here, you know. You really ought to think about relocating, Barho. I'm amazed you get any customers at all all the way out here in the middle of nowhere. I do okay. How you been coping? How's the missus? Barho went over to a drawer and brought out a metal money tin while waiting for a reply. Huh. That bitch can go to hell. One fucking word. Alimony. I hear ya. Plus, I got the skid row spicks and niggers after me. I'm owing some major do-re-mi. What for this time? Barho put the money box on the table in front of Santa, who took the hint and put in a handful of twenties. I asked some favors, and I gotta pay up. They threatened to cut off the head of my reindeer. That sucks, Santa, he said with genuine sympathy in his voice. Barho put the money tin back in his drawer. Santa went on. I got this rogue elf called Jimmy C. 
He's been riling up all the other workers, putting crazy ideas about trade unions in their head. Now half of the little fucks won't work for less than six dollars an hour. Used to be in the good old days you could get a decent elf of labor for a half a tub of Mary's homemade casserole. Those were the days, man. I'm three payments behind on my sleigh tax, and I don't know if I'm going to make it this year. They're threatening me with all kinds of legal shit. Pretty soon, I might not be permitted to leave the state. The kids will forgive you, Santa. Fuck the kids, I got my reputation to keep. Since the dawn of civilized society, I've never missed a round. Damn if I'm starting now. Santa stared at the ground with a guilty expression. I didn't mean that about... about the kids. I mean... I'm just tired. Barho placed a consolatory hand on Santa's shoulder. Two. Barho's second customer arrived at the usual afternoon time. His customer was disarmingly effeminate and had large brown sunglasses, which hid his junk-wasted eyes. He had a gaunt Arab face and wore a plain shirt, unbuttoned to the chest like Jim Morrison. His expression suggested he'd twist the head off a puppy to score. Jesus Christ, the Savior, cried Barho, embracing Jesus Christ, the Savior. Behind Jesus, a long, stretched limo was parked out on the ergs. The windows were blackened out, but Barho knew who it was inside. Jesus had the face of a dying dog on the vet table. He was noticeably hungry and impatient. My dad's insisting upon waiting for me. Shall we? Tell him to come in. No, I don't think that's a good idea, Barho. He's been in an utterly frightful mood of late. Please, let's get going. Fair enough, I suppose. Barho fetched his money tin from the drawer and pulled out a syringe and Pyrex tube from a compact case. He drew a quote of the murky liquid into the syringe barrel and started tweaking. Jesus was wriggling in his seat, trying to suffocate an itch between his buttocks. He was a notoriously antsy customer, and always had bugs under his skin. An air bubble collected at the nozzle, and Barho tutted, then shrugged. Suppose I don't need to worry about you getting an embolism. Jesus smiled, and pulled out his cock to find a vein for Barho to inject. It was long and copper-skinned, and Barho was used to injecting long-time users in awkward places. Have you been reading your Bible? I try, Barho lied. I don't blame you. I misquoted like crazy in the damn thing. They found a tumescent line to inject that ran down the seam of Jesus' penis. It was purple, and only surfaced when teased with the tip of Barho's needle. Jesus' heart rate began to spike. He stuck it in and pushed. Jesus clenched his sphincter tightly, and a hot spring of semen shot forth into Barho's face. Shit. I'm awful sorry, man. Barho took out a rab and wiped his face down, reassuring Jesus that it was no big deal. How's Damien? Jesus smiled faintly, cockeyed with drug saturation. He's good. We tried for one of those civil marriages, but, well, you know my dad. I do. Say, Barho. How come you're living rough in a dump like this? I thought with the money you rake in from peddling that miracle drug of yours, 
you'd be able to afford a bigger joint. I'm a simple man, Lord. Jesus began fingering the stripe of his crucifix as his eyeballs reeled. Barho slid his metal money tin onto the table in front of the stone Jesus, and he dropped a fistful of crisp green notes onto it. Praise Jesus! Barho was kind of funny looking. He had a strange yellowy flesh tone that bordered somewhere between Hispanic and Asian. His teeth could rip through tin. He had a ton of heavy piercings that hung like dangling chandeliers from his septum, earlobes, brow, and lower lip. Along his neck and arms, there was always a weeping wound of some kind, held together with paper stitches he'd obviously weaved himself. This gave him the appearance of a monster, poorly assembled by a mad scientist. Barho was balding, too, but the hair he did have ran around either side of his head to meet an akimbo slice beard the color of orc blood. Despite being rakishly skinny, with no definable musculature, Barho was deceptively strong, which is why no one fucked with him. Strangest of all, Barho was totally Buddhist, and while he could give most hard-up junkies an ass-kicking, he'd rather keep his business clean, which is why everyone respected him. His accent was also difficult to pin down. It occasionally merged in lazy S lisps like a Spaniard, but he also burred his R's like a Scotsman. People doubted if Barho was even a human being at all. There was a third loud chap at Barho's door that evening. He hadn't been expecting anyone till midnight. Keeping this in mind, Barho opted to check through his people before letting anyone in straight away. He saw two Caucasian men wearing business suits and carrying Samsonite briefcases. They peered over the rim of expensive Oakley sunglasses and adjusted the Windsor knot over their ties in perfect sync. Barho opened the door, and both their faces animated long, phony Cheshire grins. Mr. Barho? The same. May we come in? Depends. Please, sir. We're good people. The suit said this robotically, thus failing to dispel Barho's redness. The stink of hair lacquer and cologne hovered over the man like a rain cloud of important smell. Barho reluctantly stood aside to allow the men entry. He noticed slight dissimilarities between them. One wore a black single-breasted suit, strongly padded at the shoulders, suit number one, and the other wore a double-breasted seersucker, which owed more to midnight blue than black, suit number two. Barho apologized for the odd smell that hung around his hut, referring to the sharply salty aroma of his client's semen. Barho asked the fellas if they wanted anything to drink. Both declined. Suit number one folded his arms and said sternly, It's come to our attention, Mr. Barho, that you've been supplying a highly toxic substance illegally. Barho gave a theatrical groan. Your FDA, huh? Suit number two put both hands up in mock surrender and began reassuring Barho in a soft, polite accent. On the contrary, Mr. Barho, We've come here with a proposal. They had the good cop, bad cop routine to a T. Suit number one was the impatient bully, and suit number two the more compassionate by the book character. What kind of proposal? The business kind, Mr. Barho. I don't understand. Of course, Barho understood perfectly. 
He tried to stop himself from smiling victoriously. We want to buy your drug, Mr. Barho. Buy me out, eh? Yes, we work for Ken Multinational. We just need a sheet of ingredients, and these briefcases full of $100 bills are yours. Trouble is, I can't tell you that. Suit number two motioned forward a little. Please, Mr. Barho, be reasonable. We've got enough money for you to get out of this seedy dealer lifestyle and start afresh. I make plenty of money. I choose to live this way. There's been speculation as to the key properties of your drug, Mr. Barho. Suit number one said in a no-bullshit sort of way. Barho went over to his window and drew the curtain. What have you heard? We've heard lots of things. Goats come, dragon urine, god nectar, all manner of mystical faces and plasma, and all speculation, of course. The suit held his stare on Barho to clarify that it wasn't, in fact, any of these things he just mentioned. No, it's none of that shit. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Suit number one brought out a ream of paper and started reading from it. Your drug also seems to change etymology. We've heard it called Jamcap, Tusk, Divine Firecracker, Acid Wank, and The Long Slow Orgasm. Suit number one got real close, and Barho could smell dick on his breath. We can make you wealthy, sir. Normal people couldn't afford to keep up the habit and still support themselves financially. This is why Barho's main clientele are all of high celebrity status. What these two goons couldn't seem to realize was that he didn't need their money. Sorry, guys, but I'm going to have to ask you both to scoot. Excuse me? Said suit number one indignantly. I got a customer coming soon, and I got to prime up his needle. And anyway, these pails need mucked out. Excuse me? Said suit number one and suit number two in chorus. Barro gestured to several steel pails burning over with spunk. Suit number one's hand automatically went up to his mouth. Suit two stifled a strong gag. Then both men left. Three. JFK's tongue flopped out of his mouth like a wet fish as he felt Barho's drug brush over blunt sensory receptors. Holy shit. I can see through time. Okay, John. Kennedy was dramatic. Barho humored him. Barho withdrew the needle spike and doubted the pinprick. JFK never came. He was unique in that respect. In fact, he had a different biological response to the drug entirely. Rather than kindle arousal in him, it acted more like a psychedelic. JFK claimed he could see the fabric of the universe, and often described to Barho in great detail the scale of hallucinations he experienced. Barho knew why JFK's response was different from his other clients. The hole in the ex-president's head wiped out all of his neurotransmitters, deactivating the area of the brainstem responsible for sexual stimulation. God bless old Lee Oswald. Then, JFK started coughing and spluttering. Fuck. I'm getting the horrors, man. Try to relax, John. But the former president was already doubled over and vomiting up green bottom. When he brought his head back up, his eyes were buckshot and hysterical. Streams of drool wetted his chin, and he began hyperventilating and grabbing at Barho's shirt. John, you okay? JFK couldn't answer. 
His mouth was too full of slobber and vomit and choked tears. The hole in the back of his head began leaking brain juice, and it took an almighty slap from Barho to calm JFK down. The slap was so hard and violent that the resulting crack echoed a little, and nearly knocked the president's brain right out of his skull. Thanks, man. JFK pulled himself back up onto the seat. Barho went over to collect his money tin, checking back on his customer, relieved to see a controlled fear in him. From here, JFK's face looked kind of odd. He had these dull eyes, like a crustacean, and he rarely blinked to moisten them. JFK really seemed to be staring through time. Barho opened the hatch door leading into the basement and made his way downstairs. He tugged at a ceiling light cord, and the bulb fired into life. Standing in front of him was a dimly lit naked figure, hooked up to all kinds of apparatus. You could see his heart beating behind his chest, he was so thin. Wires and tubes ran in and out of every orifice, draining all fluid from his body and into a large plastic blood bag. Barho went over and collected the bags that were full, straining them into Pyrex tubes. The poor individual wore only a large top hat with stars and stripes on it, and was bound to the wall with metal fasteners. He tried to talk, but before he could utter a sound, Barho shoved a tequila bottle into his mouth and forced its contents down his throat. Tequila ran down his face and beard. Underneath the top hat, the man's skull had been balled out like a melon, with most of the brain scooped right out. His eyes were moist with tears, unable to express his long, unnecessary pain. Hey Sam, you trying to communicate? Barho's prisoner mumbled unintelligibly, dribbling saliva and tequila. Schadenfreude, Sam. Barho smiled and went back upstairs to cook his drug. Please tell us what you thought about this week's story in our comment section. On an end note, I was asked by Daniel Gonzalez to mention SurrealGrotesque.com, a new online magazine featuring bizarro and horror. Like I said, please leave us a comment in our comments section. If you have a little spare cash, feel free to donate. It's how we pay our authors. Remember, we are paying market. If you have a bizarro story, check out our submission guidelines. And if you can't donate, which I understand, I'm a broke-ass myself, at least Facebook us or tweet us or blogger us or stumble upon us or whatever goofy shit you're into. Until next week, have a good one.